Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care Disability Competent Care webinar series. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on March 22, 2017. This webinar is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to ensuring beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes a full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care. In this podcast, Karen Lucan, Project Director of the North Carolina Office on Disability and Health, explores the role that community supports afford participants to function and integrate in their homes and communities. Good afternoon. I'm going to be covering an array of information describing long-term services and supports, the domains, and some of the ways that you can utilize LTSS to support positive health outcomes and quality of life for persons with individuals so that they can live in an inclusive, integrated environment of their choice. Long-term services and supports are designed to prevent institutionalization. So one of the eligibility criteria is if that person is deemed to be at risk for placement in a nursing home, a group home, some type of community living environment typically that one would consider an institutional environment. LTSS, and that's the way I'll refer to it as we go forward, is based on principles of self-determination and person-centered planning, which have been referenced in earlier parts of the disability-competent care. A couple of core elements, I think, of self-determination are important to emphasize as we talk more about LTSS. Self-determination means that the person is making their own choices and decisions based on personal preferences and their interests so that they can achieve their goals and their options of living in the community of their choice. So it's important that they have the freedom to choose services and supports and not just be placed in a program, that they have the authority to make decisions and be supported in those decisions, that they have support, and that is formal and informal, as Chris has mentioned, to build resources, personnel, and community connections to support a community life, and that they have the responsibility to both manage resources well and to be a contributing member of their community. Person-centeredness has been referred to in previous webinars as a critical element of disability-competent care, and it's also essential in long-term services and support. It's important to see the person first, not their diagnosis or label, and to ensure that we focus on a strengths-based approach of their interest, assets, and capacities and build long-term services and support around that person-centered approach. Again, long-term services and supports are designed to enable an individual to live in the most integrated setting or environment with the appropriate and sufficient services 
and support to meet their needs while acknowledging the need to be cost-effective and culturally responsive. Next slide. So let's take a look at some of the services, and we'll begin by looking at paid services that constitute long-term services and support. The list in front of you is in alphabetical order, not order of importance. Some of these are services that would be provided to an individual in their home. Some are services provided in the community, and some may be more group-oriented services. So what's critical is, again, that you understand the resources available, and you may need to develop a community resource guide. There are examples of those available on the integrated resource care website. Anytime resources are pulled together, remember they must be continuously updated and relevant to the individual situation, community, and geography. Next slide. So let's take a look at an individual story that might illustrate some of how we think about long-term services and support. Calvin is a middle-aged male living um, in the community, um, divorced, has two sons, ran his own business, um, was injured in a car accident that resulted in him acquiring a spinal cord injury with very significant physical outcomes, such that he could use only one finger on one hand to manage some of his physical needs. As mentioned prior to his injury, he had what we might consider a typical life of work, family, community connections. His injury resulted in hospitalization, extensive rehabilitation, so there were significant physical challenges that he had to take on. But it was actually the adjustment to the loss of independence and all of the major life changes that in some ways were overwhelming. The accident resulted in changes in his privacy, autonomy, significant impact on his financial security, and concerns about his life the burden on his sons, and what would his life be like moving forward. As part of his disability-competent care and working with his interdisciplinary disability team, there was an acknowledgement that he needed to begin to look at community living options outside of the rehab and nursing home environment. So the team hired a relocation specialist who could begin to help Calvin look at options and explore what his future choices might be. So again, what's important here is that long-term services and supports often involve a time of exploration and looking at options as the individual begins to build their person-centered plan. Now we'll go forward and begin to look at the specific domains of long-term services and supports as a way to help you begin to think about how would you help the individual construct a person-centered plan to achieve improved health and quality of life? So one way we think about long-term services and supports is three specific domains. Resources and settings that facilitate inclusion, which you might think of as place. Where is the individual living? How will this place support community integration and inclusion? 
Another domain is meaningful activity, or you might think of it as purpose. What is the individual's purpose in life? Are they employed? Are they involved in education? Are they retired? Are they an active member of their community through volunteering and social activities? What is the purpose that grounds their day-to-day -day life? And the third domain is social connectedness and relationships, or we might think of it as people. Who are the people that are part of this individual's life and the important relationships that sustain them day in and day out? So let's take a closer look at each of these domains and how it relates to requirements for long-term services and support. And we'll begin by just reminding you that long-term services and support align with the pillars of disability-competent care that were mentioned at the beginning of the webinar. Um, care coordination is a critical part of a successful LTSS plan and may require acknowledgement of more players, more connections, the need for more coordination. Member assessment is critical, and LTSS may challenge you to think with the individual about more life domains than a traditional healthcare plan. This plan needs to be individualized and continuously updated as the individual's life circumstances change and hopefully improve over time. Communication is critical across all parts of disability-competent care and can at times be challenging within LTSS because, again, there may be more players, more connections that need to be involved in the communication network. People need access to information. In Calvin's example, he's going to need new information that perhaps has never been part of his life situation. So how do we ensure ongoing access to current relevant information? There will be frequent life transitions, and they may be broader than some of the traditional transitions we think of, such as emergency department to inpatient hospitalization to rehabilitation. Life transitions can be frequent moves, family changes, aging, staff turnover. So transitions are a critical element to keep in mind as long-term services and supports are considered. And throughout this whole process, partnerships and collaborations are essential and will be changing over time. So now we'll move into looking more specifically at elements of resources and settings that facilitate inclusion. So again, we're talking about place and how personal assistance services and the living environment are the tools that facilitate community integration, inclusion, and quality of life. So we'll look at some of the living options and settings that people may encounter. So supported living is one of the ways we talk about long-term services and supports, and it as an alternative to institutional or facility-based care. In Calvin's situation, he may have been in a rehabilitation facility and then a nursing home facility. Supported living is going to be assisting him with looking at community living options. Again, we have a list of options on this slide. They're in alphabetical order, not order of importance, and they illustrate the variety of supported living options someone could consider. Adult foster care, assisted living, independent living in an apartment, living in their own home. Each of these 
living environments may require home modifications in order for the individual to be successful and achieve maximum independence. There are resources on home modifications also available on the Integrated Care Resource website. As an individual is exploring supported living options, it's important that a functional assessment be conducted to determine what the individual's needs are at this point in time and to ensure that their individualized plan of care reflects those needs so that then the appropriate services, paid services in particular, can be put together. This may involve hiring the personal care assistant, the individual who comes into Calvin's home and assists him with some of the activities of daily living, such as bathing, dressing, toileting, eating. Um, it's critical that the personal care assistant or direct support worker is specifically trained and is able to provide the care required by each participant. Some individuals may be able to direct much of their PCA care. Others may need assistance in learning how to take on this role in terms of training and supervising someone who is a paid caregiver. It's also important that we acknowledge that there are core competencies that personal care assistants need to have in terms of knowledge, skills, and abilities, and that it then also needs to become very individualized. In Calvin's case, a personal care assistant that is familiar with issues around spinal cord injury and decubit eye and specific health risks. Another direct support professional may need to be familiar with traumatic brain injury to provide appropriate care. So always focus on the person and their environment and not just the diagnosis, but ensure that all of those elements are something that the personal care services are able to address. Remembering that by providing the right choices for supported living, you're increasing the options that the individual has for how they are successfully achieving their life goals. There's another option available in long-term services and supports called the self-directed option or consumer-directed option, which gives the individual more flexibility and responsibility to design and direct their services and supports. So self-directed services are an alternative to a traditional agency-managed service or agency-delivered model. Each Medicaid funding authority has different guidelines for their self-directed options, but they all share common characteristics. The importance of person-centered planning, an individualized budget, an individualized plan, and the importance of providing assistance and support. Although the individual is responsible for hiring, training, firing their staff, managing payroll taxes, conducting the business of their long-term services and supports, they do receive support from a support broker or a consultant who acts as an agent of the individual and takes direction from the individual. So a self-directed option does not mean the individual is totally left alone they are provided appropriate supports. However, this may be a very new consideration for many individuals, particularly if they are dealing with an acquired injury. So it's important that 
the options are clearly explained, the person has time to explore them, perhaps they talk with other people that have used the self-directed option. There are some good resources on self-directed options available through the New York State Office of Disability Services. Um, so I'd encourage you to check some of those out if this is a new approach to long-term services and supports for your consideration. The reality is that many people may still choose the agency model to service delivery or at least begin with that approach. And within that, the agency then takes responsibility for many of the human resource functions and responsibilities. There's also the shared living option that should be made aware, people should become aware of, where an individual chooses to live with another person, a couple, or a family in the community and the services are provided to them in that environment. In any living environment, the person needs to be offered the opportunity for dignity of risk so that they're making their own decisions with appropriate supports and learning, developing competencies, and taking calculated risks as they learn how to live in the community of their choice. One of the ways that the disability competent care has a important role in this is role modeling that the person is always in charge whatever living option or setting they have chosen for themselves. Now let's move on to looking at the second domain of meaningful activity or purpose. There's a wide range of services, some that may be formal services that facilitate meaningful activity in one's community. All of these should be grounded in a developmental approach of what is age appropriate and desired by the individual. In Calvin's case, he was an employee and a business owner, so vocational interests are likely to be a strong concern and interest to him. People may be at the age of involved in educational programs, but lifelong, lifelong learning is another opportunity. Social recreation programs and connections allow us to have meaningful activity in our lives as well as shared activities with, us or with others such as group meals or some individuals may need something more structured such as an adult care program. Um, what's important is that you always think about the person in their environment, how is it developmentally appropriate, culturally responsive, and meeting their needs in terms of community inclusion. As we think about meaningful activity, it's always important to acknowledge the realities of transportation. Next slide. Accessible transportation can be a cost-effective option for some individuals to be able to access work, recreation, education. But the reality is that public transportation options vary greatly across communities. So it's important to learn about the community resources available to the individual participant um, and to understand the functional skills that the individual will need to use various transportation resources. So going back to an individualized assessment, an individualized plan of care needs to address transportation within a long-term services and supports approach. What physical skills will the individual need to use a certain transportation system? Is it transfer skills? Is it endurance for the length of the community, the community ride? What communication skills are necessary to ask for directions? 
um, what cognitive skills are needed to do wayfinding within the community, particularly if the individual is moving to a new community. So the individual assessment and plan of care can document these needs and then long-term services and supports provide a mechanism for the individual to utilize transportation to meet their goal of meaningful activity. As you think about transportation, always think about both sides of the transportation, the getting to someplace and the returning from, and figure out the public transportation timing, consistency, reliability. Some public transportation involves very extensive time. Is that a good fit for the individual's health status and endurance? Might that need to be something that is worked towards in terms of setting up transportation that will be a success and not necessarily a significant barrier to the individual? So let's take a quick look at some of the types of transportation services that might be available to an individual and would be identified within LTSF. Again, these are not listed in order of importance. Ambulance is very specific to certain types of transportation needs. Think about taxi, Uber, Lyft, the shared economy. How might that be an option for an individual and what skills do they need to be successful with that? Some communities have paratransit services. Others have accessible public transportation. Again, understand the realities of when these operate, when they don't operate, and how can the person use them to be successfully involved in meaningful activities of their choice. And there are sometimes privately owned vehicles. And we all know that urban communities are quite different from rural communities. And yet rural communities at times have very um, significant informal networks that may provide transportation resources for someone. So now we'll move to a discussion of social connectedness and relationships or people. We know that interactions with others within our own home or our communities are important to all of us. This is especially true for those who have significant disability or functional limitations who may be at risk for social isolation and then resulting depression and other significant problems. So as we think about social relationships and connectedness or people, we want to, in this case, very much think about informal supports, people that might be considered care partners, family, in Calvin's case, his sons, peers, community acquaintances, such as employees or business partners, people that are part of someone's lives who are not paid caregivers, but they're vital to the individual's community connectedness and sense of well-being. In the disability competent care model, the intent is not to treat these informal supports as caregivers, but to acknowledge the importance they have in the individual's life and that it is a two-way relationship. Um, this may be a new role for many individuals, and so there may be a need for the IDT to assist with some discussion, some coaching, or some training to learn how to assume a slightly different role as a care partner. In Calvin's life, the focus may initially be with his sons, and then perhaps moving on to employment connections and individuals that he is um, living with now in his new community location. 
Social connectedness and relationships require a variety of different skills, and some may also be linked to formal services. Um, so as we think about making new social connections or resuming social relationships following a significant injury or illness, um, there may be a need to focus on independent living skills, perhaps money management, stress management, communication skills. We've talked about transportation, which has a critical role in social connectedness. If someone is accustomed to being an independent driver and that's no longer an option, focusing on that skill acquisition and those resources will play a big part in if the person is successful in their social relationships. Exploring community activities will be important, particularly if the individual has moved to a new community or is needing to pursue different community interests. Some individuals, as we've said, may be at significant risk of social isolation. So what are the variety of ways that technology can help with maintaining connection? Perhaps telephone reassurance, text, email. How do we help someone stay connected as they rebuild a social network? Individuals may also experience anxiety as they try new experiences or meet new people. So what type of behavioral support might be helpful to them? So this may involve blending paid long-term services with some of the informal supports. We've talked about mobility in a variety of ways throughout the presentation. So it's important to again think about both mobility services and mobility equipment as one of the ways that an individual stays connected to people, has a sense of purpose, and is able to live independently in their community. One's health status is obviously impacted by mobility, such as the ability to get to appointments, such as a healthcare appointment, the ability to reduce the risk of falls and injury from a safety perspective, functional independence, is important so that the individual minimizes their reliance on informal care partners and paid care providers. Home modifications, accessible environments, adapted equipment, all can enable the person to work and be engaged in their community and increase their sense of autonomy. So again, think back to the webinar on accessible environments because that environmental approach and accessibility needs to be woven across all domains of long-term services and support. As we think about social and recreation support, um, we know that research has shown that community participation is a key factor in the health and well-being of people with disabilities. For the individual, this may involve a significant rethinking of what they're currently involved in. So what is it they want to do? What did they used to do? Who are the people that they want to spend time with? And then how do long-term services and support help make this happen? Combining formal and informal. So what do they want to do? Who do they want to be with? Where can this take place? When can they get started? And how do we make this happen? And the initial plan may have an emphasis on formal supports, and then over time, informal supports and care partners may become a more significant part of that. 
Um, it's always important to acknowledge for someone that there may be a need for some personal care assistance as they explore new community options and require assistance with transportation, transfers, toileting and eating in different environments. So let's go back to Calvin's story and think about how quality, individualized, long-term services and supports would make the difference in what Calvin is able to achieve for himself. He worked with a relocation specialist who was able to help him explore different community options. Um, it's not easy to always find accessible, economical living options, so the person may need to work with the ID team over time. Calvin was able to secure a two-bedroom apartment, which meant he had private space and he could make plans for his sons to visit, even though it was designated as an accessible apartment, there was still a need to do some home modifications to meet his particular needs. That requires negotiation with the landlord and the apartment manager and exploring different things like power doors, hand controls, voice-activated telephones, appropriate kitchen equipment so he can be as independent as possible in his day-to-day -day activities. Um, his social connections and relationships required significant focus. Following his injury, he was no longer able to work full time, so it meant that he had more unobligated time. He wanted to move from the nursing facility to his own place so that his friends could be in contact, his sons could come and visit, and all of that began to happen when he had his own apartment. Also, having your own space enables you to be defined as an individual living in the community rather than an individual placed in a care facility. He was able to resume part-time work, which helped with his finances and allowed him to reestablish that role of businessman and worker. So all of these successes for Calvin required significant long-term services and supports and evolving needs over time, but what it enabled him to achieve was moving from the nursing facility, avoiding frequent rehospitalization, decreasing his stress and family stress, and limiting his cost over time. So by providing the best long-term services and support that met his needs, he now is in the right place, has purpose, and is connected to the people that he wants and is able to then maintain his quality of life over time. So as we move into the conclusion, we can see that for an individual to maintain their health, positive health outcomes, and their well-being, it means that a truly person-centered plan that is individualized and thinks about their long-term service and support needs can make a critical difference in what the individual achieves and the role of the interdisciplinary disability team. So some of the key takeaways from today, um, long-term service supports and needs are not static. They change over time. So the individualized plan needs to be viewed as a living document. Independence and achievement are goals, not a 
destination that is achieved and checked off. So as Calvin ages, there may be different concerns. He may be able to expand his employment hours. At some point, he may choose to explore a different living option. Life goals change over time. All parties, the individual, their family, the professionals involved, generally need and benefit from education, coaching, and mentoring. Throughout the process, advocacy is key because there are many new challenges that the individual is taking on, and their care partners may also be asked to become an advocate in this process. And creating or linking community resources to the participant is extremely important because it decreases the risk of social isolation, which can improve health, health outcomes, and the quality of life. 